Lakers and lovers. What's going on? Good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday morning. Jake Storielli's least favorite day of the week in a landslide. He hates Tuesdays. The Tuesday Blues should make a shirt. The Tuesday Blues. I'm sure he's struggling and having a tough morning. I wish him the best in his battle against Tuesdays. I'm doing good. Got a good night's sleep. Woke up feeling good. A little tired. A little tired. I always hear people in the comments say, bro, you look so tired. Yeah, it's the morning. Just woke up. Just woke up. So that works. This is what we got coming out today on John Moy Media. Talking Yanks. We talked all about the proposal. We answered a lot of tr- Twitter questions. We did our greatest Yankee lineup of all time because someone asked that in the Patreon chat. Uh... We did some other things that I probably are forgetting right now, but we had some fun. John Boy and Jake Radio will start at 10 o'clock if you want to watch live. If you want to watch afterwards, it'll be on any podcast app. And you can also just go back to the YouTube and watch it live. Uh, John Boy and Jake Radio lets me guess what we're talking about today. The Last Dance. I have a big update I have to tell Jake about. BBD, our producer, put some stuff into there. Jimmy's update, KBO umpires demoted, protesters calling for gyms to reopen, man jumped on a wine truck and unscrewed the valve to drink straight from the tanker. So that's that's what we're talking about on Jumbo and Jake Radio today. Um, laughs from the past, something I'm really excited about. It's part two of the Donner Party on Laughs from the Past today. And I do think that it's some of our better stuff and one of the crazier stories in American history. If you don't know the Donner story, it's about a family that was trying to do the Oregon Trail. They got sold on a shortcut that took them through Salt Lake and Tahoe. And the shortcut wasn't real. And they get stuck and have to resort to cannibalism. So, crazy tale. Uh, Last from the past comes out every Tuesday. Uh, yeah, I'd just say, check, please check it out. Check out one episode. Kindly. I think it's really good stuff. I think it's, I mean, I'm a history nerd, but it's not even, it's not even deep history. It's just stories. I don't, it's just like telling stories. Uh, Pinstripe Strong, Joe's and the boys, they came out with the podcast today and their reaction to the MLB's proposal and everything that's going on. Talking Folk, I just listened to it. It's an interview with musician Dan Zlotnick. If you've ever listened to an episode of Talking Yanks, you know Dan Zlotnick because he sings Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake, that's him. And, uh, And it was a good interview. He plays some songs live and then he talks about what the songs mean, why he wrote them, uh, where where they come from and all that. So it's really good. And then the big show, we got Sequence with Christian Yelich. Part two, Sequence with Trevor Plouffe, Christian Yelich. Uh, The coolest thing about Sequence is, one, I'm really proud of our team. I think they did a fantastic job on the editing and making it look clean. Really proud of uh, Trev. He's getting great guests and they're having insightful conversations. So I think it looks amazing. I think it is really good uh, program. But the coolest thing about Sequence that I didn't realize is that 
players are tuning in. Uh, MLB players are watching because they want to hear what Christian Yelich has to say about hitting. And they want to hear what everyone else is. We have an interview coming up on Friday on Talking Baseball. And we're chatting with him. And in it, he says, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. Um, I'm excited to hear what Yelich says. I didn't realize that. You know, obviously it makes sense. But Tyler Wade uh, posted on Instagram him watching it uh, the other day. So it's really cool that players and people within the league are tuning into a piece of content from ours to gain like knowledge because that's what Trevor is doing. He is archiving the minds of the greatest hitters uh, of our day. So 20 years from now, you can be like, hey, what was Christian Yelich doing that got him so so good? What was Sousa doing when he felt good? And that's what Sequence is all about. Um, so that's everything we got coming out today. No watch. First, first Tuesday without a watch in baseball. We had to cut those down. We were doing too much. Um, that's everything. All right, let's go to the weather. Ooh, it's 37 degrees and cloudy in Bighorn, Wyoming. Not good. Probably feels like slate. Beautiful country, though, out there in Bighorn. Beautiful. Bighorn uh, had, like, the first ever polo club in America. How about that? Bunch of people moving to Wyoming. Got nothing else to do. All the space in the world. Let's get on our horses and play a game. Sounds about right. Also, Frank James um, from uh, Jesse James' brother, Frank James, the James Younger game. He apparently hit out in Bighorn when they were on the lamb. And there was some dude that founded Bighorn. So anyway, Bighorn, Wyoming, 37 degrees and not nice out. So that, that's a bummer. Random baseball player of the day today is a Fun one. His name is Hub Pruitt. Hub Pruitt. Hubert Shelby Pruitt. Hub Pruitt's nickname was Shucks. Hey, Shucks. Because that was the closest he ever came to saying uh, curse, cuss, swear word, whatever you call him. That was the closest he came. The strongest word in his vocabulary was shucks. Ah, oh, shucks. So they called him shucks. Great nickname. And Pruitt's claim to fame was that he was the best at getting out Babe Ruth. There's more cool stuff to his story, but that is like the first thing when you read about Hub Pruitt, Pruitt is that he could get out Babe Ruth. So I'm going to go take a look at all of um, his numbers. Here we go. This it this is Hub Pruitt baseball reference page. And I don't know if you use baseball reference. Um, baseball reference. Do you guys sponsor people? Sponsor the show. I talk about you and promote you every day. Uh, so Hub Pruitt pitched from 1922 to 1932, but he took some years off. 1931, 1929, 1925. He's got nothing going on. Looks like, you know, uh, in 1927, he started 31 games other than, uh, or 28 games. Other than that, he was a reliever. He started every now and then. His rookie season was pretty good, and then he kind of gets mediocre. And he, he jokes that the only reason he kept getting work is because he could get Babe Ruth out. So if we go to uh, versus batter, baseball reference versus batter, 
Um, and then if you sort it by strikeouts, it actually, Babe Ruth comes out first because he struck out Babe Ruth 13 times. And the next person he struck out the most was Hack Wilson at six. So then, baseball reference, best website on the internet, you can go through the exact play-by-play. And I think I can even make this bigger for you guys on the screen. Let's, uh, is that too big? I think I went too big. You guys can't even see what I'm doing yet. How about that? Bam. All right. So if we see here in his first at bat, he struck out Babe Ruth swinging. And it was in the bottom of the 10th in a tie game. Holy smokes. Talk about a scary at bat for Hub Pruitt. In um, the next at bat, he walked him. Still tied. Same game. Bottom 12th. Yeah, fuck that. Just walk him. Then he strikes him out again. Then he walks him again. So we got uh, 0 for 2 with two strikeouts and two walks. 500 on base percentage. But then strikeout, strikeout, ground out, strikeout, 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 walk, strikeout. So, yeah, in his first 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, in his first 11 at-bats against Babe Ruth, he struck him out seven times. No, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, seven times. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool claim to fame. But uh, Ruth does get him. I mean, at the end of this season, the 1922 season, he hits a home run and then a single. So Ruth figured him out by the end. The next season, 1923, we got another home run. Uh, we got another single, but still not that bad. And then the last year, it's he gets three singles off of him. But that first year, to be a rookie, is that his rookie year in the league? And, uh, oh, here it is. That first year, Babe Ruth slashed 167 with a 333 on base percentage because of the walks and the 750 OPS. Nine strikeouts in 12 at-bats. Go get him, shucks. And then, but I mean, like, the the overall stats. Babe Ruth got his. I mean, a 975 OPS versus him in 31 plate appearances with a 292 batting average and a 433 on base percentage. So I think the the legend of the man uh, who Babe Ruth couldn't hit was was came from the 1922 season, then kind of just just stuck around, uh, just stuck around. Well, that's cool. Good for him. He told a cool story that I read. Um, where am I? He told a cool story about how. Let me see. I have some notes here about Hub Pruitt because it's cool. He, um, his dad was a physician who died in a horse and buggy accident while making a house call. So all his whole life, he wanted to become a physician and he wanted to become a doctor. And he used baseball to pay for his education. So (laughs) that was like an ends to a, a means. So he, as he's playing professional baseball, he's going to, uh, uh, medical school and getting his education to become a doctor and using the pay he gets from baseball uh, to become a doctor. He graduated from St. Louis University School of Medicine and became a practicing physician. He then thanked Ruth for keeping him around. He said he never talked to Babe Ruth, 
The only thing that happened is one time after an at-bat, Babe Ruth winked at him, and they never talked. And then much later on, when Ruth was old and dying, he saw him at a function or an event, and he said he went up to Ruth, and he said, I want to thank you, Babe, for putting me through medical school. And Babe Ruth replied, if there would have been more like you, no one would have ever heard of me, which is kind of nice of Babe Ruth to say. Babe Ruth to say. But also, his numbers in the end were pretty good off Hub Pruitt, so I don't know about all that. But that's a good old shucks. got to tell you, you run into a random, spin a wheel, a name comes up, you plug that name into baseball reference, you dig into their story. We've done this for like three weeks, and I've learned about some, I mean, I guess I'm just a nerd for this shit. I just like baseball and baseball history and human history and the stories of individuals, but like, it's cool. A couple days ago, we had the guy that, Pitched a 22-complete game shutout loss. Uh, we had the guy, Darby O'Brien, who they held a charity game because he had no money. He was dying. That one's not, like, fun. Interesting, I guess. Anyway, that's shucks. Pruitt. Hub. All right. Before we go to the book, I put this on here. Sometimes at night, I put something on here, and then I come here this morning, and I'm like, I don't really want to talk about that. But here we are. I watched Outlander last night. If you don't watch Outlander... Definitely geared towards older women who knit and um, enjoy fantasy shit. But the last season outliner, me and my girlfriend watched it. It was good. They need to stop showing the rape scenes. No one likes it. They don't even do much for the story. And I'm starting to think that the writer of Outlander and the directors just enjoy making rape scenes, which I find very odd. There's no reason for it. So if someone listens to the show that has anything to do with Outlander, tell them good job on fixing the wigs, bad job on continuing with all the rape scenes. No one fucking wants to watch that. And it's not even like, well, it's a part, it happens. It's a part of life. It's like, it's terrible. And we've seen it enough. So shh, quit it. Talking about Bukowski today. Cause I, I read a little, a little something last night that made me laugh. Uh, I have this book. And I keep it in my bedside. And I told you guys already, I just do poems at night before bed because they're bite-sized stories and you don't feel like there's no cliffhanger, there's no getting lost, like, oh, one more page, or oh, I'm only 10 pages away from finishing this book, got to keep going, and then you're up too late. I don't like that shit. Um, But he wrote a little story that made me laugh. And let's see if I can read it to you and not make it seem like I'm just reading to you. Uh... It's kind of longer than I wanted to. Should I paraphrase half of it? Made me laugh. He says, uh, it's called Big Time Loser. I was on the train to Del Mar and I left my seat to go to the bar car. I had a beer and I came back and sat down. Pardon me, said the lady next to me, but you're sitting in my husband's seat. Oh yeah, I said. I picked up my racing form and began studying it. The first race looked tough. Then a man was standing there. Hey buddy, you're in my seat. I already told him, said the lady, but he didn't pay any attention. This is my seat, I told the man. It's bad enough he takes my seat, said the man looking around, but now he's reading my racing form. I looked at him, and he was puffing his chest out. Look at you, I said, puffing your goddamn chest out. You're in my seat, buddy, he told me. Look, I said, I've been in this seat since the train left the station. Ask anybody. No, that's not right, said a man behind me. He... Had that seat when the train left the station. Are you sure? Sure, I'm sure. 
So I got up and I walked to the next train car and there was my empty seat by the window and there was my racing form. <laughs> I went back to the other car that the man was and the man was there reading his race form. I said, hey, I started to say, forget it, said the man. Just leave us alone, said his wife. I walked back to my car, sat down and looked out the window, pretending to be interested in the landscape, happy that people in my car didn't know what the people in the other car know. That made me laugh at the end. Just being so indignant about and then being so wrong, so embarrassing about something so small. You're in my seat. No, you're in my seat. And then the whole, you find out you're wrong. And then you find out the whole car knows you're wrong. And they're kind of just looking at you like an idiot. And 10 feet away, there's a whole group of people that have no idea that that just happened. But you're sitting there embarrassed still, knowing that if someone from that car walks into this car and then, hey, that guy just did this, then your whole reputation screwed. Good name of a little poem, Big Time Loser. He also talks about baseball in, in, in one of these as well. And we like baseball here. And he's saying, uh, he's comparing uh, Austrian composers, Bruckner and Wagner, in a baseball sense. And he says, uh, Wagner was hitting all those home runs, but Bruckner was sacrificing the runners to second, and he knew it. He says, I prefer Ruth to most of his teammates but I appreciate those who did the best they could and kept on doing it even when they knew they were second. Your club fighter, your backup quarterback, and the unknown jock who sometimes bring one in at 40 to 1. There are times when we should remember the strange courage of the second rate who refuse to quit when the nights are black and long and sleepless. So basically he's saying, which is a cool message, I guess, like, America, society, we love celebrating the winner and never celebrate the guy who came in second place, even though, like the guy who trains to go against Usain Bolt. That dude trains for four years to run in the Olympics knowing damn well he's not beating Usain Bolt. And there's something to be celebrated in that because he's still putting his body through the ringer to do the best that he can possibly do, even though there's no fucking way He's beating Usain Bolt. And then he gets in second place, and no one's going to remember his name, and no one's going to think anything of him because he's not the best. But there is something admirable about everything he just did to secure second place. But it's kind of like, you know, the hardos would be like, that's a loser's mentality. But then you kind of got to look at it and like, well, do the best. Try your hardest, do your best, and is what it is which is a saying that I've been saying for 10 years. Try your hardest to do your best. I got hats with, I got shirts with, just try your hardest to do your best. That's all you can do. Don't get tied up in uh, what happens afterwards. Started from a, a, a beer Olympics. That was my team's motto. So it stems from beer Olympics. I was partnered with some people. I thought we had no chance of winning. So I said, hey, we should try our hardest. We do our best. Maybe we win this flip cup race. Maybe we win this ping pong match. You never know. Just try hardest. Do your best. So that's, look at me. I'm basically fucking Bukowski over here writing poems. Uh, I have nowhere to put this book. You guys should see this desk. There's just things everywhere. Laptop, soundboard, computer, second monitor, switching board, mug, cup, cup, notepad, book, phone, two hard drives. Oh, here's my schedule for today. 10 o'clock. John Boy and Jake Radio, recording. 12 o'clock, we're recording Talking Baseball. It comes out tomorrow. 
At two o'clock, we have a big meeting within the company about something potentially exciting, potentially nothing. At three o'clock, we're recording next week's laughs from the past. And I'm going to try and mix breakdowns in throughout. So, bam. I think that's it. This is a band called uh, Susto. Susto? I don't know if I said it out loud. Susto. I like them a lot. So, that is the end. I hope you have a fantastic morning. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for hanging out with me for a tiny bit. I appreciate it. And I will see you tomorrow.